This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the place to stay updated and educated. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide episode 379. Thanks for joining us once again. This is Stephen Fennec and I'm the editor of techguide.com. On this week's show, the federal government has pledged $9 million to let Australians know 5G is perfectly safe. A quarter of Australian parents will be gifting their child a smartphone for Christmas this year, and we'll share some more last-minute tech Christmas gift ideas, apart from smartphones. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at the Jabra Elite 75T earphones. Messenger gets in the Star Wars spirit ahead of the rise of Skywalker and will give you the best tips to become more energy efficient with smart products and will answer all your tech questions in the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected, and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. There has been a fair amount of hysteria lately about the safety of 5G or more and more more accurately the dangers of 5G as these networks are rolled out around Australia. The federal government will be investing 9 million dollars over the next 4 years to educate Australians about the safety of 5G and in particular information uh, about electromagnetic energy and they will also include uh, a lot of scientific research to educate the public on the facts about the technology that lies underneath the 5G network rollout. Now there's been plenty of talk uh, about 5G and how I've heard everything about 5G killing birds, killing honeybees, uh, being a potential uh, cause of cancer in humans, uh, and as a result of all this, all, all all of this, this outrage and anxiety, there has been numerous Facebook groups and this movement by people to to protest. Even I've seen protests outside telco offices where people are complaining and holding up signs that five G is killing animals and bees and birds and you name it. And just how dangerous it is. Well, from the start, and I've been asked this question many times on radio and on TV uh, about 5G. And I've always said, because I've always known that 5G is completely safe. Your microwave oven produces more radiation than 5G would. Even your baby monitor produces more radiation than a 5G tower. This this is why the government is stepping in to put an end to this all this unfounded outrage, and all the conspiracy theories that have have evolved out of this misinformation. And unfortunately, people were happy to join the bandwagon. They they thought, yeah, this and five G that's going to kill you. Of course, I'm going to protest about that. But none of them ever bothered to look up the facts, which I've been writing about and talking about for months. As as has many other people and other reputable websites around the world. Uh, they're, they're challenging the fact that uh, the cell phone radiation uh, is perfectly safe. There is no ionising radiation anywhere near uh, dangerous. So not non-ionising radiation, just to give you a quick summary of electromagnetic energy and how it works, uh, 
the non-ionising radiation is produced by things like um, computer monitors, TVs, uh, mobile uh, AM, FM radios, phones, and satellite dishes and things like that. That's non-ionising radiation, which is the, like we're talking, the radio frequency spectrum, microwaves, and all these things. Then there's sunlight. That, that's actually an, uh, another, another part of the electromagnetic spectrum that is dangerous because it has a higher frequency. So without getting too scientific here, basically the danger of the sun is that it can burn your skin and, and give you potentially skin cancer if, if exposed for too long and sunburn. So that, that's, that's edging more towards ionising radiation, which is your kind of your Chernobyl fallout level of radiation, which is ionising radiation. And that at, to the point where it becomes a danger to your body is so far removed from where network radiation, electromagnetic energy is involved. It is an absolute massive gap between that micro, the, the, the radiation for used in network communication and ionizing radiation. It's like comparing a pebble to Mount Everest. It's just not, it's just not the same. So people have uh, ignored the facts and jumped on and just assumed that all, all this hysteria and all, all these complaints are justified. Uh, and it is... It's, so the government stepped in here because it has become a point where, well, 5G is going to be an essential part of our community and industry moving forward. And we've already seen Telstra and Optus have already a well into their 5G rollout. So the reason the government has stepped in here is because they see that 5G being a vital cog in, 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 our, in our future in terms of uh, being able to access smart de- devices, in citywide applications of smart devices and uh, our, our use in, in for health reasons and for all this connectivity that's only going to benefit society, even connecting to the internet. Optus is already offering that through 5G. So I think that for the government to go to this much trouble and spend this much money, $9 million uh, over four years, that's, that's quite a hefty amount of money to pay to educate people on the facts. And they must have felt uh, strongly enough to make this move. Paul Fletcher, who is the Minister for Communication, Cyber Safety and the Arts, he, he's come out with a statement today to say that there is significant community interest around 5G and the goal of these initiatives is to offer the community, the people of Australia, an assurance that 5G network that, ex- that is going to cross crisscross the country is completely safe. I'm going to quote his statement here. The rigorous safety standards for mobile networks and devices in Australia draw on extensive scientific research into electromagnetic energy emissions, that's EME, globally and in Australia over many decades. Emissions from mobile networks and devices in Australia typically fall below the regulated limits by factors of 100 or more. EME levels from mobile networks and devices are typically at similar levels to familiar household devices such as microwave ovens and baby monitors, which I've already mentioned. The safety standards for 5G networks are consistent with those applicable to early generations of mobile technology. Even though 5G networks typically use radio signals which are lower power and more tightly targeted than earlier generation networks. So there you have it. The, the government has stepped in here 
to to give to give us this assurance, as as Mr. Fletcher says, that we're all okay. We're not going to die of brain cancer. The honeybees aren't all dying. Birds aren't being killed. I I received a message from a reader who uh, commented on the bottom of my tech guide story and said, uh, "This at first he called it a nine billion dollar venture. It's a nine million dollar venture for a start." Uh, so, but he also said, oh, "Have you? I can't ever recall seeing a honeybee. Have you seen any honeybees?" So, he's of the opinion that honeybees are being killed off by five G. Well, I'm sorry to disappoint him, but I have seen plenty of honeybees, uh, plenty of bees for that matter, all kinds of bees. So they're not dying. And I, I live not far from Sydney Airport, so five G is pretty concentrated around where I live, and I'm okay. I might leave that for other people to make that opinion. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm feel I'm okay, and the government thinks so too. So let's let's all stop panicking. Let's all calm down. This is a positive move here, I think, so that we can just get on with rolling out 5G. And then I think it'll come to a stage where the people that are complaining about 5G will actually benefit from 5G when they realise that all that worry was for nothing and that the benefits of having a network far outweigh this, mis- this misinformation uh, and unfounded worry that they had for the 5G network in the first place. So let's stick to the facts, people. I've been saying it for months, as have many, many other people, but problem is uh, a lot of people haven't listened to that. The government has. They've invested $9 million to show Australians that 5G networks are completely safe. And if you want to read more about that story and see the quotes from Paul Fletcher, as well as some quotes from uh, the AMTA as well, the Australian Mobile Telecommunities, Communications Association and Telstra. Naturally, they're all welcoming this move. You want to read more about that story? Check it out, techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. We are going to talk last-minute Christmas gift ideas in a moment, but I think it's no it, it's a no-brainer that phones are going to be a popular choice this Christmas, especially for younger children. I think, and I've always said that Christmas is an ideal time for parents to give their child their first smartphone because it's it's before the new school year and usually it's given to them when they're of a certain age. There's a, some new Telstra research that's been, that's been released that shows nearly a quarter of Australian parents will be gifting their child a smartphone this Christmas. Uh, it's The actual figure is 23%, just shy of a quarter. And they are also, the majority of these people, these parents, also believe that 12 to be the appropriate age to buy their child their first smartphone. I've got to say, I agree entirely because I've got three kids. They're much older than 12 now, but 12 was the age where they got their first phone because it represented, A, they're 12, they're a bit more mature, they can handle a device and the responsibility, and B, they were starting high school. So they had to catch public transport, and I wanted them to be able to contact me if they missed the bus or their mother or anyone else, and that was the reason why they got their first smartphone. And this research kind of uh, agrees with those with what, what I was just saying, where the primary reason for the parent giving their child their first phone was safety. So 62% said safety was the primary reason. Of course, their their child they want to be able their child to be able to contact them if there uh, if there's any problem. Uh, and 45% said they're giving their child a smartphone. Because they asked for it. 
it wasn't the way it worked when I was a kid. If you asked for something, didn't guarantee you getting it, although I was, I'm not complaining. I had some great Christmas gifts uh, in the past when I was younger. But they 45% said, oh, my child asked for it, so I'm going to give them one. That's pretty good. If you don't ask, you don't get. That's kind of my motto in life there. But you know what? The research found, though, that parents, even though they are being pretty generous and giving their child a phone, it still they also have a degree of apprehension about their child having this first smartphone and they are concerned about certain aspects, including cyber safety. One, one concern, 63% said they were concerned that they would, their child would spend too much time on the device. The other concern was all around cyberbullying, so that a child having a phone means they can join maybe some social media platforms. And the other worry was that there may be some exposure to inappropriate content. 61% were concerned about that. But I think, look, there are plenty of tips we can offer here, and Telstra have done the same, about how to manage your child who you've just given a smartphone to. So the other other key findings, and, and we agree here, that before you give your child their phone, you need to set the rules. You need to set parental controls. You need to limit their screen time, give them access to certain sites. There's plenty of parental controls on devices that makes it really easy to restrict not only what they, what apps they look at, but even the features of the phone. Like you could lock down the camera, the browser, all these things allow you to, to regulate use of the phone. So I think it's only fair that parents who are gifting their child their very first phone a lot of them have already discussed the safety and agreed expectations on their usage Uh, so I reckon that's really important as well they're they're gonna I think it's a good idea to monitor their social media usage too because as I said they've got a phone they might want to join Instagram and Facebook although I think the legal official age for those platforms Facebook and Instagram I know is 13 so maybe they might be a year early not sure that might be a good idea to let them early on right there. Uh, although the, this, sur- this survey found that one in 10 parents were comfortable with their child uh, having a phone under 10. Only one in 10 agreed on that, though. I think uh, primary school age kids, look, my, look, I can only use my own example. There's no set rule here. Like if you're a parent, you make your own rules for your child. You know your child better than anyone else. But in my case, I found that my kids even though at primary school age of you know 8 to 10 you know they were good kids responsible kids but they just didn't need a phone they 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 were driven to school every day picked up in the afternoon there was no need for them to have a phone it was just going to be an expensive toy that comes with a monthly bill so that that was what what I how I did it at my place but you might think differently if you are a parent and you are you already gifted your child a phone but you know what for those who are thinking of of going down that track and giving their child their first phone. We've also outlined through the Telstra Foundation, they've helped contribute to some safety tips as well. So I think they're pretty pretty simple. Set the rules. I think make sure your child knows uh, what's involved and what boundaries they have about acceptable screen time. I think the other, the other rule of thumb is too is to be a good example. Set a good example with your child. If you tell them, look, there's no phones allowed at the table at dinner time or at certain times of the day, and if you're on your phone at the times when you've barred your children, then that's not a good look. If you're at the on the on your phone at the dinner table, then you know you're kind of being a bit of a hypocrite. You got to if you are telling your kids they can't do it, then you got to put your phone down as well. 
So uh, just check too, they're not using it too long. That Make sure that the e- even suggest that if they are using their devices, maybe use them in the communal areas of the home. That used to be the rule with computers, remember, when everyone had a computer before phones. Computer was in the lounge room, sort of the communal area, so you can keep an eye on what your kids were browsing. Well, a phone is a computer as well, connected to the internet, and that might be a suggestion that if you do want your kids to uh, to use their device, maybe get them to only use it, not locked up away in their room, but where you can see them and supervise them in case they do come across something they're not supposed to. Plenty of rules, but again, as I said, you are the best judge for your kids on what they can and can't do. No one can tell you that. It's just like any other part of life. You are your child's parents, no one else. So if you're comfortable setting the rules in, in your particular way, then so be it. These are only suggestions that, are, that I've found worked for me and for many other people that I know. So it is entirely up to you. But you are you one of these parents giving your child their first phone? We hope that this segment was helpful and that you can get some tips and tricks on how to manage that new responsibility for your child. If you want to read more about this report from Telstra, some interesting facts in there, you can know uh, you can go to our website techguide.com.au. Well, as you all know, as being loyal readers of techguide.com.au, I hope you are, we were in the middle of our 12 days of Christmas gift ideas. We've just uh, finished, uh, this is Monday, we've just done day 10. Uh, So these are designed to give you, they're called gift ideas for a reason, to give you the suggestions on you may be stuck for a gift that's why we spread it over out over 12 days we've already done cameras phones wearables and smartwatches headphones gaming devices tablets drones and other gadgets smart devices in-car gadgets Uh, we're going to hit tvs and projectors and things as well as later this week in the coming days we're going to also cover appliances and computers. Uh, I think a computer is also, uh, just as a phone is a good gift for a child at Christmas time, I think a laptop is a good gift as well. They may be using it for their, their new school year. They may be starting high school or university or whatever. Uh, always a good time to start the year off with uh, with, a, with a nice device, a laptop, to help them through their with their studies and, and their assignments and what they need to do. So that's, uh, well, that's coming up on Wednesday on Tech Guide on the 18th of December. We're also going to... Uh, we also covered uh, in-car gadgets. I think this is an important one because a lot of people are now opting for dash cams and similar products. Even even GPS devices for for a lot of people is useful because uh, the GPS not only warns them, or not only shows them the directions, but also warns them about school zones and red light and speed cameras. So a lot of people think, what, what the hell will I need a GPS for? They can use their phone potentially as, as a GPS device, but uh, a dedicated device, A, doesn't burn your battery of your phone. If your phone's constantly accessing GPS while you're driving, it's going to drain your battery a little bit. Uh, B, I think that it's a good thing where, as I suggested, a GPS, a dedicated GPS can give you the heads up when you are approaching a speed camera or a red light camera or a school zone during school hours. Uh, really good idea there. There are some dash cams that actually serve that purpose as well. They, they do have a GPS component built in. Built in. Some 
GPSs, uh, sorry, dash cams also give you a warning on red light and speed cameras. I know the Uniden cameras, the iGo 85R uh, Go dash cam does that as well. It's also got a rear camera, so you've got 4K from the front, full to HD at the back. That That's not a bad suggestion. Uh, even charging stands and mounts for your car, I reckon that's a great gift idea because here in New South Wales, mobile detection cameras have been deployed. So there is, uh, they've already started, and the, the, the point of having these is that they can detect if someone's holding a phone while they're driving, which is illegal all around Australia. But in, uh, in New South Wales, the first place in the world, by the way, where these uh, cameras are being deployed, they are giving us a grace period. So I think if you are picked up in the first two months, then you get a warning. But any time after that, it's a $345 fine and five demerit points. So with that in mind, gifting a phone mount or a phone charger in your car, which can act as a mount, is also a very thoughtful gift because it'll take the phone out of the driver's hands put it somewhere safely. They can still see it, but I think it's a, it's a safe play. We want the, we want these our friends, family, brothers, sisters, mums and dads, aunties and uncles to come home at the end of the day. We don't want them touching their phone and risking their lives and others. So that is also another great gift, uh, another good in-car gift as well. Uh, I think the other, the other big thing, of, obviously, TVs is a very generous gift if you want to give a television away. But I think, I think of more, if this every year I think is a great family gift. Uh, I've, uh, I've seen in the past where uh, the, the family agrees, look, we're not going to buy each other gifts, we're just going to buy a television for the family. This might be something you want to do or you might want to gift yourself a TV. We've covered that uh, this week as well. So I've gone through some affordable televisions as well as a couple of affordable projectors as well. Some people like the uh, a more grand scale of watching their movies. There's the Epson laser projector. So a laser projector that's actually pretty small and portable, pretty good. That's in the gift guide as well. Laser has a two-in-one projector with a built-in DVD player. So how's that for getting everything in one? A multimedia product. DVD player and a projector. The projector, though, is capable of full high definition. So if you connect it to a Blu-ray player, it does have a HDMI port, you'll get HD out of the projector. If you are just playing the DVD through to the projector, you might be away on holiday or in a caravan or whatever, DVD's only got 480p resolution, so it's nowhere near as good as full HD, but it's something. You can uh, project up to a 100-inch picture, which is not bad. Uh, Other things I've suggested... Well, you know, for, for 4K box sets, I think if you're a Game of Thrones fan, the complete eighth, eighth season of uh, Game of Thrones has just come out. So uh, that's pretty cool. Also, Scarface, this gold edition of Scarface has just come out on 4K. And not only is it in pristine 4K, but it also has these great new uh, extra features and interviews from the cast reunion. So uh, say hello to my little friend right there. That's a pretty good gift if you ask me. Uh, other things that we've looked at and are, that are coming up is appliances. Uh, I think uh, maybe a coffee maker for the family might be a good thing, or a new Dyson perhaps. Uh, a Dyson uh, air purifier might be in a suggestion as well, seeing all the uh, us here in New South Wales, all the smoke haze that's coming around. It's, it's been pretty bad the last few weeks. That's also a suggestion. Uh, but the, the, in terms of the gadgets and drones, I think the DJI Mavic Mini is a pretty cool drone. It's a five ninety nine. It's the smallest. Uh, it's really easy to fly, entry level type drone. Fits in the palm of your hand. Folds down to the size of a smartphone. So that's really good if maybe you want to take it on holidays. You might be planning a summer break, or you might be going overseas. This is a great product to take around. 
the camera captures full HD at 30 frames a second. It's pretty good. It takes good photos as well. So you'd have some breathtaking memories from your holiday if you got the DJI Mavic Mini. They are just a brief selection of the last-minute Christmas gift ideas. Of course, we did speak about smartphones. We've covered that uh, in the previous segment and last week on the show. That is, uh, That was day two of the 12-day gift guide. You can see all of those days, by the way. Day one through to 10, we're up to 11 tomorrow, 12 Wednesday. Uh, stick with Tech Guide. We're going to give you all of that those Christmas gift ideas. We don't want you getting... We don't want you panicking. There's still more than a week away for, for Christmas shopping, so... Get in there. Uh, last minute is better better late than never, I say. So there's plenty of ideas there for you. If you want to read our 12 days of Christmas gift ideas, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. Now, you upgrade your phone and your TV and your laptop, but when's the last time you upgraded your home Wi-Fi? Well, the time is now. It's time to welcome Wi-Fi 6. The Netgear Nighthawk Wi-Fi 6 router gives you ultra-fast speeds and wider coverage throughout your home. You think of how we use Wi-Fi. We're streaming, we're gaming, we're doing everything. So you need Wi-Fi 6 means you get four times the capacity compared to today's Wi-Fi, which means you can connect more devices and stream simultaneously without impacting Wi-Fi speed and reliability. The devices of today and tomorrow demand more. So give them more. With Wi-Fi 6, it's the biggest revolution in Wi-Fi ever. And you can be one of the first to have the next generation of Wi-Fi 6 technology with a Netgear Nighthawk router. Turn your Wi-Fi up to 6 with a Nighthawk Wi-Fi 6 router. Go check it out today, netgear.com slash Wi-Fi 6. That's netgear.com slash Wi-Fi and the number 6. And now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennec. Kicking off the reviews for this week is the Jabra Elite 75T. This is a pair of wire-free earphones that are smaller, sleeker, and better than the previous generation. That's, that's a pretty big deal when the new device is so much better than the predecessor. Now, don't get me wrong. The 65T was superb. The Jabra 65T earphones, wire-free, were amazing. I use them a fair amount. I use them a lot for uh, for doing crosses over Skype to Sky News Channel Ten. I had them in my ear because they were dark and they kind of blended in with my head. They didn't stick out too much. Uh, I mean, stick out too much in terms of color. They also didn't stick out of my ears too much. But the seventy five Ts are even better. They're smaller and more discreet, yet sound better and have a smaller design and a smaller case. So. Across the board, they've done very well. The 75T, as I said in my story, has lost a lot of weight. The earbuds are noticeably smaller, and yet they still have that nice, comfortable, secure fit. They're IP55 rated against dust and water, so don't worry if you're training hard in the gym or on the road. Whatever you're doing, the 75T can handle it. They also come with a two-year warranty, by the way, too. That's, That's good to know. But the reduction in size hasn't affected the audio quality. Uh, it is incredible. The charging case is also way smaller than last year's. You can see my pictures on Tech Guide of how small they are. There's a picture of that. That's my ear, by the way, on my review. Uh, and you can see the comparison in terms of the sizes of the charging cases and uh, the sizes of the buds themselves. But as I said, despite the reduction in size, 
the audio quality is remarkable. Better than the before. I think what they've done is they've nailed the bass this time. Bass is a lot more distinct. And don't worry if, you, if you're if you not a big bass fan because the Jabra Sound Plus app allows you to tweak it a little bit through the customizable equaliser. Now, these don't offer noise cancellation. There's no active noise cancellation. But with the silicon tips, they do provide a little passive seal. So you get a little bit of noise reduction there. But the good thing is that you can still hear the outside world. So if you're using these for running and walking near busy roads and things like that, you can still hear what's going on around you, which is very important. You don't want to be totally isolated from car traffic noises and things like that. Um, now, in terms of core quality, the microphones on the Elite 75T are, are very are decent, not up to the standard of the Sony WF-1000XM3 uh, or the AirPods Pro. What those two have in common is they're both noise-cancelling and they're also much more expensive than the Jabra's. So their call quality was slightly better, but you'd expect that from a slightly more expensive pair of earphones. These aren't these aren't too bad. They're not a deal breaker. You can still make calls. I'm still going to use them for my crosses. They're going to be fantastic because they're small and they blend into uh, into my ear very well. Uh, the app, as I said, allows you to not only access the equaliser, but you can even set uh, different music presets. And, and if you're listening maybe to spoken content like this podcast, you can have a setting for that. So there's plenty of options here for the Elite 75T. It really ticks all the boxes. And look, they're priced at $299, which is way cheaper than the Sony and Apple noise-cancelling earphones. So if you're after of some value, Jabra, very respected audio brand, really uh, does a good job in keeping the taking it to the next level in terms of design, maintaining audio quality, improving the battery life. That's what I've forgotten to mention. The battery life has even gotten better. I think seven and a half hours just from the earphones themselves. And you can have a total battery life of up to 28 hours with the charging case. That's a remarkable improvement. So you're not going to be near a PowerPoint for uh, quite a long time. Uh, so these can, can easily keep you powered up for days if you are a heavy listener to brilliant podcasts like this or music, audio books, you name it. These aren't going to let you down. The Jabra Elite 75T, uh, they're priced at $299. they are available from JB Hi-Fi, Harvey Norman, Amazon, jabra.com.au as well. And if you want to read our complete review, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. Now, I explained last week about what a tragic Star Wars fan I am and on many shows before this, so I don't really need to, to explain that to you again, but... There is another Star Wars-related story, and naturally, I'm, I'm all over it. It's it's to do with Messenger. Now, we all use Messenger and you know, for messaging, calling, video calling, you name it. It's a fun way to communicate. Well, they've, uh, they've just done a nice partnership with Disney to help you get into the Star Wars spirit. We are mere days away, ladies and gentlemen, from... Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. I am absolutely beside myself with excitement for this movie. I'm going to see it uh, in a couple of days' time. So if you're hearing this after Wednesday, I would have already seen it. So next week's podcast, I'll give you my spoiler-free thoughts on the film. But 
in terms of getting into the mood for Star Wars, Messenger has done a great job here, and just a few taps allow you to access a few new Star Wars features within your Messenger within the Messenger app. So now with this new that you can create your own chat theme, so you can use reaction emojis of all your favorite Star Wars heroes and villains. There's also a bunch of stickers and emojis you can access as well. There's a, some pretty cool ones, not only from the new films, but also from uh, the original movies as well. So if you want to, you can visualize yourself inside Poe Dameron's X-Wing. So there's a, you can theme, send a photo of you, your face, inside Poe Dameron's helmet. And it's like you're in the cockpit of, the, uh, of an X-Wing. That's pretty good. If you've got a lot of geeky friends, I think they'll be very impressed. Uh, not for everybody, but I, I have received a lot of these. People know that I'm a Star Wars fan, and they're sending me. They're using me as their guinea pig to uh, to send the messages, and I love them all. They're really cool. The fact that I love Star Wars means they're friends. We're all friends in the Star Wars universe. Uh, the other thing you can do is uh, add other themes, like there's a starburst, like you know the light speed. You know when the stars just streak out when when the Millennium Falcon or any of the ships go into light speed. You can have that behind your head as well. Uh, plenty of cool things you can do. You can even there's also themes you can choose from between the dark and light side of the force. So you've got a dark and light effect that you can put on your messages. What side are you? Are you on the dark side? Are you on the light side? Who knows? The speakers, the speakers, the stickers are pretty cool as well. Uh, some some nice ones from the new movie. There's also a cool, some cool ones with Millennium Falcon. Uh, there's a one that I like called Needle Lift, and there's a picture of the uh, Millennium Falcon underneath it. So, have a bit of fun here. Now, how did how to turn on the Star Wars chat theme? You open a messenger thread, tap the name of the thread at the top to open the thread settings, and then from there select theme. And then you'll find this Star Wars chat theme. I know some of you are going to dive all over this. Others couldn't be bothered. But you know what? It's it's a big week. It's Star Wars week. And may the Force be with you with the new Messenger themes. Uh, the Star Wars Messenger themes. I'm all over it. And a lot of my friends are too. You should be too. Please don't tell me you've never seen Star Wars. That's really disappointing to hear that when people tell me that. I think you've had 42 years to watch these films. They're all coming to, or the Skywalker saga is coming to a close after 42 years. I remember seeing the original in a cinema and it, it was absolutely mind-blowing and has stayed with me my entire life. That's the effect it's had on me. It's definitely worth a watch. I have heard from friends who just recently watched them for the first time, like a month ago, and they are absolute converts. In fact, they've watched it first time about a month, six weeks ago. They've also watched them all again uh, and love them and anticipation of the new movie, of course. So really good news when when people hear that. I heard from a friend who, who told me this and I told her, welcome aboard. You're only 42 years late, but better late than never. That's uh, It's good that you're on board. Uh, if you want to get further on board, check out the Star Wars themes for Messenger. The force is very strong with this one. Now, you know what? Energy prices are not going to go down anytime soon, if at all. They're never going to do that. So if you are waiting for energy prices to fall, then you're going to be waiting a long time. So what I what I suggest uh, and what we're going to talk about right now is that energy prices you can't control. 
But what you can control is how much energy you use at home. Now, one way to save on your energy use and become more energy efficient is by using smart products, so smart home, smart lighting, and other products to help you become more energy efficient, use less electricity, and thereby reduce your energy bills. Now, HPM is a brand of electrical company, Legrand, and they have a range of products that, are, that can make your home more energy efficient. They've, they've come up with these suggestions on achieving this efficiency. Uh, there are five ways that we can do it. Number one, switch to LED lighting. Lighting, on average, uses between up to, eight, up to 15% of a household's electricity is just the lights. So if you have energy-efficient LED lights, they can make a massive difference. There are, there are, they are 80% cheaper to run than a regular halogen light. Now, if you are building a home, you might be in the build stage, you can have LED downlights. Uh, HPM DLI downlights uh, can, can help you save energy while still giving you that modern look. But if you're a current homeowner, who you, you may already have uh, downlights, you can replace them with the MR16 retrofit downlight. They're only 16 bucks a head. Uh, these are exclusive to HPM, and they'll work with many of the existing halogen transformers. So, you know, there's a little transformer for each downlight. So you can replace your existing downlights for $16 a pop. Imagine the money you're going to save in the long term. Uh, and uh, th I think that's a really good start to, to, to that. Uh, number two, use smart switches. So the big thing about saving energy is for at the start being able to monitor your energy use. That's the first step. So smart home switches, uh, the, like the ones in the RTOR with Natatmo range, they're $489, you'll be able to monitor energy use product by product. So you can see how much energy your fridge is using, your air conditioner, washing machine, dryers, all these things, and if you use the Home Plus Control app, once you have your the smart switches, the RTO switches in place, you can remotely monitor and even control various functions of these appliances through the switch. So you can even receive a notification, for example, when a light or an appliance has been left on and, and or has been running for a longer period of time, you can control that remotely if you have to. Uh, number three, install a ceiling fan. A lot of people think, oh, I've got to get air conditioning to cold cool the house down. Well, you're not in every part of your house at the same time. You know, if you've got a big family and they're spread out, fair enough. But if you're in one or two rooms, a ceiling fan might be might be the go because uh, for as cheap as 125 bucks, that's the HPM Inspire ceiling fan. It can help circulate cool air faster. So. It doesn't need to run even for extended periods. So instead of having the whole house air conditioner banging away all day and using up a ton of power, a ceiling fan might be the alternate, alternate, uh, the alternative here. Uh, it also has a winter mode as well, this HP Inspire ceiling fan. So what it does here, it rotates the blades counterclockwise at a lower speed, and that forces warm air down in the room. So you can use it all year round. The other tip, number four, Use timers. Now, how many times, parents, if you're listening, and if your kids are in the car with you, ask them this question, how many times have they left lights on in their room or wherever they've been? And my common response is, look, I'll get you to pay the electricity bill if you're going to remember to, if you don't forget to, if you forget to turn your lights off, I'll give you the bill to pay. 
I've often said that to my kids. Well, you know what? Now you can use timers. So HPA has a simple timer. It's only 28 bucks, And this can be used to schedule lights to turn on and off, whether it's your Christmas lights or your garden lights, or you can even use the timer to turn on and off things like heaters, pool pumps, and dryers. So that's a really big tip there. Uh, and finally, number five, use sensors. Now, I remember when I told you earlier about you f- people forgetting to turn a light off when they leave a room. Well, if you've got a sensor, that's not a problem. Sensors get, can detect movement. And being smart, they can automatically trigger lights to turn on, but also to turn off. So say, for example, you've got a sensor, you walk past it, it turns on, you walk back past it, it turns off. So great example is in a room. If a room... You walk in, sensor says, oh, you're in the room, I'm going to turn the lights on. You walk out, sensor's up, you've walked out, I'm going to turn the light off. And it does it. The 360-degree PIR movement sensor from HPM, $40.90, will eliminate the possibility of lights being left on when you've left the room. And the good news is, too, that these sensors are very easy to, easy to install. You can do it yourself. Now, all these products that we've mentioned are available. You can check them out on my website, techguide.com.au. All available from leading hardware stores as well. Uh, You can go to the HPM site. I've created a link on the bottom of the story. Uh, So hopefully these tips have helped you out. You're going to use less energy in future because, you know what, power, it's a valuable resource. We can't be using too much. Those energy prices are going up and up. But we can use less energy if we can, if we have to, and we've just shown you how. You want to read more about being more energy efficient with smart products? Check it out, techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Norton, the company that can protect you and your family online. Now, in a world where you're constantly connected, cyber attacks are more prevalent than ever. From phishing scams and ransomware to online predators and big data tracking your every move. Cyber threats have evolved though, which is why Norton has as well. The new Norton 360 gives you next level protection, combining the power of device security with a secure VPN to help keep you and your family safe and private online. The new Norton 360 all-in-one protection for your devices and online privacy. It's available now at leading retailers or AU And now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. The Tech Guide Help Desk brought to you by our friends at Belkin. Uh, And we earlier spoke about phone mounts and chargers. Belkin uh, can can give you uh, the right answers there uh, for a good Christmas gift. Now, on the Tech Guide Help Desk, we did have a question from a a reader who uh, has a family business and wanted to find a way to create a mutual calendar for f- the family who run the business. And he said they're all we're all iPhone users. They're also Mac users, some PCs as well. And the suggestion was, uh, he, he, I think he was expecting some really like a, a expensive app or uh, some way or, or like a, some other program. But you know what? The really simple thing, especially because most of us are on iOS, is to use an iCloud calendar to, to create a common calendar for everyone to access through iCloud so that whenever someone makes an appointment in that common calendar, it all shows up on everyone's devices. So everyone can subscribe to this calendar and then see when all these appointments have been made. So they can see each other's appointments they've created, their own appointments they've created, 
Uh, he also said that they're all uh, G, they've all got Gmail addresses. So if they apply the Gmail address to join that iCloud calendar, the joint calendar, then that'll solve the problem of not being able to see it on non-Apple devices. If it's Gmail, you can add that to any calendar, whether it's on an Android phone or a Windows PC. So everyone will still will get around that problem. Uh, so the answer is actually quite simple. The answer was there the whole time. And because you're iPhone users and iOS users mainly, uh, that will work really well. There, there are apps and, and programs and things you can buy and pay for, and I think they're more productivity tools than anything. They're, I think they're, they're more for like uh, corporate use. So if you're, you know, you're working on projects and sharing content and data and documents, there are apps that can do that, programs that can do that really well. But in this case, for just a calendar, then you really don't need to reinvent the wheel here. The iCloud shared calendar will definitely do the trick. I did have another question from a reader who uh, is visually impaired, uh, and he asked a brilliant question. He said, look, I'm using an iPhone 6 at the moment. Uh, it's a bit slow. I think he said he, he doesn't mind having a bet and using apps and stuff like that. And he said, look, what is the alternative? I want to get a new phone. Don't want to spend the earth. Having a good camera is not important to, to him. So my suggestion was maybe to buy an iPhone, an iPhone 7 or 8. iPhone 7s you can buy from, from like Officeworks and places like that, JB Hi-Fi. An iPhone 8, uh, I think, is the, is the cheapest phone you can buy now on the, through, officially through Apple. And my suggestion was to buy an iPhone 8 because it's, it's a decent jump in terms of processor speed above the 7, a massive jump from the 6 that he currently owns. But you, you, he said the camera's not important. So in my opinion, I think the iPhone 11, 10, and, and 11, and, and the 10, uh, 11 Pro, I think the, the biggest upgrade you're paying for in this case is the camera. There's, there's a dual camera, a triple camera system, and they are fantastic. He, he explained, look, camera's not important, so what are your suggestions? So I think the 8 will deliver on the speed that he's after, uh, and whereas you're not, and still has a decent camera, but you're not paying top dollar for the uh, latest camera, latest design. So I think the iPhone 8 would be a nice middle ground for him to use. Uh, we've spoken about all, all of these things, phones. We've reviewed every iPhone that's ever been released on Tech Guide. Uh, and the other question about the mutual calendar, the iCloud. We've written about iCloud plenty of times as well. The iCloud shared calendar. Maybe you and your family might want to create one so that you all know when training is on and when the games are on and all these things that you do together as a family, uh, it can really, really create some efficiency uh, in your family as well. You're listening to Tech Guide. And that is our show for this week. Everything that we've talked about, you can find at techguide.com.au. Uh, if you want to get in touch, email us, info at techguide.com.au. Or if you're feeling really brave, maybe press that record button and send us a voice bite. Uh, we want to give a special thanks, too, to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week for our last show of 2019. So until then, stay safe and stay connected. Stay connected.